It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Aha, ha, ha, ha. Yeah! What it do, baby? Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number, I think, 776. I'm not exactly sure of Lockdown Raptors for Tuesday, September the 1st. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, back from the wilds of Atlantic Canada. Uh, first off, big thank you to Katie and Vivek for filling in so admirably for me while I was away. They did incredible work, and uh, I appreciate them so, so much. And uh, sorry to the listener who has to now listen to me, uh, a significant downgrade on both Katie and Vivek. But we move forward either way. The uh, the Raptors played a game in the playoffs today against the Boston Celtics. We're going to talk all about that today. But first, a reminder that you can uh, please find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. Check out my work at RaptorsHQ.com. You can find the show on Twitter at Lockdown Raptors as well, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, the Lockdown Podcast Network has a lot of great stuff for you going uh, and all the big, uh, big four sports with the NFL ramping up. We've got all the NFL shows going strong over there. The NHL playoffs, obviously basketball deep into the second round now as well please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the lockdown podcast network it is great if you are a sports fan looking for daily coverage of your favorite teams and with that let's get to it today we are talking about the raptors 102 99 loss to the boston celtics in game two of the eastern conference semis and joining me to break down the misery is uh, one of the many co-hosts of the wonderful dishes and dimes podcast it is Amon. Amon, how are you i'm good how are you uh, been better. <laughs> been better. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, this was uh, not not great the way this finished for the Raptors. Through three quarters, things were looking pretty good. They were up 78-70 through three. Um, you know, Fred Van Vliet looked to kind of find a stroke a little bit with Fred Jr. in the bubble, as Matt Devlin was sure to mention many, many times on the broadcast. Pascal Siakam, I thought, was pretty good through three quarters as well. OG Ananobi was doing uh, very, very wonderful things and knocking down pretty much every three he was taking early on. And then the fourth quarter happened, and Marcus Smart happened, and five threes from Marcus Smart happened, and then Kemba Walker got hot, and then some very, very janky half-court offense down the stretch. Seward the Raptors. Uh, Amon, we'll do what we do with all these game recap podcasts, and we'll start with what was your biggest takeaway from the Raptors' 102-99 loss in Game 2? Um, well, yeah, I think you sort of pointed to it when talking about that fourth quarter. Um, the game slowed down and the Raptors just couldn't generate anything. We had two back-to-back turnovers by Siakam, who was bailed out by, by Marcus Smart stepping on the line uh, for one of them. Um, but, but I think, sorry, my biggest takeaway, let's slow down. My mm-hmm. biggest takeaway is probably so the Raptors are not doomed in this series. Is it mm-hmm. crazy to say that? No, I don't think it is at all. Okay, okay. I kind of, um, just watching the game, we could see where the Raptors could, could play better. And I guess, you know, any sort of Celtics uh, fan could say the same, except for Marcus Smart. I'm not sure that there's anything he could have done better. Um, but, but I think that what we saw was Lowry's shot still not falling, but he was really productive. Mark, Mark Gasol, who looked unplayable for parts of game one, was actually like really effective, and maybe he wasn't knocking down his shots. But um, 
it, it felt like I have more optimism leaving this game, um, despite it being a loss than I ever would have, because without some insane shooting with Marcus Smart, the Raptors win this one. And eventually, eventually Marcus Smart has to start missing. Yeah, you would think. I mean, going into this series, he was the guy that you figured, all right, they're just going to leave him. They're going to help off of him. Maybe they throw Siakam on him and let Siakam work free safety a little bit. Um, And, you know, you'll live with Marcus Smart taking a bunch of threes because that means Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker are not taking those threes. Um, And, you know, it's not like the threes in the fourth quarter in this game were like the product of great offense either. A lot of them were like pull-ups with dudes in his face. and. You kind of just have to tip your cap, I guess. I, I mean, I guess Marcus Smart was riding high after being nominated for an Oscar for his uh, <laughs> wonderful <laughs> flop in, in transition against Pascal in late in the third quarter and then, um, you know, channeled that energy into hitting these five threes. But yeah, it, this was a game where I thought the Raptors outplayed Boston for the most part over the course of the first three, you know, at least the first three quarters and then even portions of the fourth. I didn't feel like they were kind of losing the plot or anything like that. It was just ridiculous shot making. And look, the Raptors themselves are going to need some ridiculous shot making if they're going to turn this thing around because Fred Van Vliet can't be going th- 3 of 12 from 3 and Kyle Lowry can't be going 0 of 7 from 3. That's not even ridiculous shot making. That's just hitting the regular shots that they would normally hit. And credit to Boston, they don't make anything easy and the half-court offense always feels laborious and you know even if they're getting open looks, it's the product of a lot of hard work and it, like the guys look pretty gassed out there as well. And so you know maybe it all kind of plays into why they're shooting so poorly so far in the series but I'm with you I I don't think things are lost or anything like that I I think there's certainly a lot of runway for this to become a long series I would expect them to come out and win game three if they can build upon some of the things they did in this game and I still think they have cards to play which leads me to what I want to get into in the next part of the podcast and Nick Nurse who I don't think has coached a very good series so far Amon and we'll talk about that in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about Rock Auto, which for a car dumb dumb like me is a wonderful website to help me save some money when I need parts for my car. And they have been an online company for 20 years as a family business serving auto parts customers at rockauto.com. You go there, you shop for auto and body parts, uh, auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. And it's really, again, so intuitive and easy, even for someone who is not a car junkie. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door the rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate as well quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers why spend it up to twice as much for parts when you can get the same parts for very very little money it's it's just a wonderful deal and you should not be going to a big mechanic or chain store and ask them for the parts they're just going to upcharge you go to rockauto.com right Right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box to the note we sent you as well? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you're ever going to need at rockauto.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Amon. I alluded to the fact that I don't think Nick Nurse has had a very good 
coaching series so far before the break. And I want to throw this to you. You know, I think there are a few things you could pinpoint down the stretch of this game that I'll address, but I want to give you the, the floor first. Has Nick Nurse been very substantially outcoached in this series by Brad Stevens? Because I kind of think that's the case. Yeah, I mean, I think all of it kind of comes down to that last possession and not ca- calling a timeout. I think that's like the perfect uh, sort of example of like what is happening, Nick Nurse. But um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I For me, my sort of hair-raising moment or like hair-pulling moment was the start of the fourth where it was Fred Van Vliet kind of running that lineup. And I was like, not that, I think that's when Marcus Smart initially started to get hot and the lead completely slipped away. He hit like three out of his... Um, five three-pointers in the fourth quarter in that stretch, and the Raptors could not generate anything on the offensive end. Um, so, yeah, so uh, there are definitely moments in this game. And then, I mean, the first game was just abysmal on all parts, not just not just on Nick Nurse, but literally every single player on the court. Um, so, yeah, so I, I would agree with you, and I, I guess I'll push that back over to you. Yeah, look, I think in this game and in particular, there are a few things and then kind of series-wide, there are a couple of things we haven't quite seen just yet, which I think could kind of help bridge the gap a little bit I think late in this one I mean there was a possession and they kind of did this a few times where they were really trying to run that Siakam Lowry pick and roll to get Marcus Smart switched on to Pascal Siakam and thinking that's an advantage you can take it like you can exploit and that's just not Marcus Smart's ridiculous yes he's like six foot four yes he flops everywhere but also he can just steal the ball from you yeah part of that bob and we literally saw we we saw Siakam just struggle on Marcus Smart um but yeah no definitely Yeah, I think, like, if you're looking for mismatches, the one to attack is Kemba Walker, and there are ways to get to that. And, yes, maybe that requires you having Fred with the ball in his hands a little bit more often. Um, Maybe that requires some unorthodox sort of approaches, but, like, Kemba Walker is out there waiting to be hunted. And Pascal had success against against Walker in this game as well. I mean, I think it was in the second or early third quarter where – the Raptors had uh, very famously not had any for any free throws in the first half. Uh, Pascal drives and, and picks up an and one against Walker and Walker is displeased with the call. I think it was like the first free throw the Raptors got in the game or one of the first few. Um, and like, that's a, a matchup that Pascal, I think is comfortable with even the Jalen Brown one. I mean, Jalen Brown has been the primary defender on Pascal quite a bit. I kind of like the way Siakam has attacked Brown a little bit more than I like it with Smart. Smart's got this crazy low center of gravity. He's so hard to get around. He can make up so much ground if you do get around him and swipe the ball away and things like that, like we saw late in this one. And I just wonder if maybe they're not quite going about it the right way with Pascal in this game. But at the same time, I mean, in this one, he had six assists. I think he did a really good job, especially early on, of sort of quickly making decisions. And we saw that decision-making time kind of, uh, you know, relapse a little bit over the course of the game. But um, I don't know. Let's dive into Pascal. You know, obviously, crunch time wasn't great. He stepped out of bounds late. You know, all of those things went wrong. But did you like some elements of his game? Because he's kind of being roasted as though he were Paul George right now online. <laughs> um, I Definitely more in this game than in the first. And I think part of that is also on, on Nick Nurse. And we're talking about the coaching. Um, we saw we saw Pascal a lot more, I think, in the post in the first game, more so than this. I feel like I feel like. Part of it is the shot making that happened in the first in the first half. Like we can't sort of underscore the amount of like extra spacing he has when guys are hitting their shots. And of course, Fred Van Vliet, I don't I don't even know if he hit a, a three in the, in the second half. And then Lowry was cold the entire game. Um, so I, I think that that kind of uh, helps OG shot making, definitely spacing floor there. But with Pascal calling him Paul George, I think 
part of it is when you have so many gaffes uh, in terms of mm -hmm. turnovers late, late in the game, you're going to get slandered in that way. Um, and I, I think that he can continue to be more aggressive. We saw it initially in the first, and he got – like, there were just a bunch of stops, and I, I feel like he gets in his head. And um, and that aggression can kind of cease a little bit, and I would like to see a little bit more um, from, from Pascal on that. And you know what? Here's the thing. I'm trying to figure out how to word this without slandering Pascal Siakam. Because <laughs> that's like the last thing that I want to do. And also part of me is just like reliving every moment of the fourth. Um, I think, I guess I'll say, I, I think that these are kind of learning moments for Pascal Siakam. Totally. Um, and and I, I will say that there is a guy, there's reason for the fan base to be frustrated. Um, I think we saw some improvements. He was definitely more aggressive this game than he was the last game. Um, and part of that is like, as you mentioned, like switch, like getting Marcus Smart switched on him. First of all, you're not going to post Marcus Smart up. That's just like, that's like taking a Kyle Lowry and like growing him out and expecting anyone <laughs> to move that. Um, and then they have like semi Ojale. You're not doing anything on him either. So I think just sort of um, seeing Pascal Siaka more in the pick and rolls, um, it's just going to, it's going to free up his game a little bit more, but I don't I, It's hard for me to kind of say anything about Pascal Siakam's game without slandering him. So I'm going to remain quiet on this one uh, <laughs> just because I feel like all of my frustration is coming out and I don't want it to be on Siakam. I don't want it to be on the podcast right now. But we'll save that. We'll save that. It'll be angry Twitter tweets um, at three o'clock in the morning. So, so check it yeah. out. That's totally fair. Um, yeah, at underscore nope name if you want those, right? Uh, <laughs> but so the thing with Pascal too is, you know, look, and you tweeted this just after the game as well or during the game. This is not the end game for Pascal. And we talked about this coming into the playoffs on this very podcast. Like there, there was a lot of reason to expect that there were going to be growing pains. This is a guy who's in his first year as a number one. Last year, he got to be this sort of opportunistic hang away, hang away from the ball. Their entire offense isn't dependent on him type of player. And now he is very much that type of player. And, you know, he's not Kawhi Leonard. And I think it's kind of an unfair standard a little bit to be comparing him to a Kawhi Leonard or anybody who is sort of a more established exactly a more established shot creating sort of go-to guy like pascal's still figuring it out and you know maybe he never gets there but this is by no means the time to pass any sort of judgment on that trajectory because there's still so much time and like you said this is a lot of learning for him and a lot of reps and yeah maybe the learning and reps will cause the raptors to lose in the second round guess what you're you have your championship gear to swaddle you from last year and <laughs> you can imagine that what go, what he goes through this year will inform what he does going forward with his development no, I completely, like I completely agree with that. And, 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 and here's the thing, like we, what we saw from Pat, what we're seeing from Pascal year after year is just incredible growth. Um, and, and you mentioned that just the growth that he had from last year's being the secondary guy before that, just being this energy player, really like only getting baskets in transition. And so we're seeing this growth. And I think part of it is that we're expecting the trajectory to stay the same. And we're expecting that, like, the giant leaps to, to remain the same. And that's just not how anything happens. Um, yeah, and sure, Tatum's look really great. And they kind of have that guy in Boston. And so maybe a lot of more eyes are on Siakam in that way. And I think that maybe he was given a crown a little too early. But here's the thing. The Raptors won a championship last year. And Pascal Siakam is not here to necessarily win you a championship this year. It'd be great if it happens. But they're sort of long-term um, there's, there's just a long-term vision that we need to have with him. And it's fine to be frustrated after a game, but we're, what we're seeing is Pascal grow. And I think we have to continue to be patient with him.
Totally. And I think a lot of it, again, falls on Nurse to try to foster some situations where he can better find success and, um, you know, a little bit more on Nurse as well. And we'll get to Pascal in the final part of the show, too, because I want to talk about the small lineup we haven't really seen yet. And he figures to factor in quite significantly there. But with Nurse as well, just quickly, uh, while we're kind of on that topic, um, you know, the timeout we talked about late in the game, uh, there were like five seconds left when they got the ball. Typically, I'm a don't call a timeout person. I think it's coward, cowardly. It's Brad Stevens shit. I don't like doing it. But when there's five seconds yeah, left, coward. like call a call a timeout and get something. I know you're not really running a lot of beautiful stuff right now and the things seem kind of stuck in the mud, but you know, having Fred walk up and throw up a heave is not the answer there. I don't think. Um, And I just, it kind of, it's just like a, there's a growing list of things. And look, this is a pro Nick nurse podcast. Nick nurse is the best coach in the NBA and one coach of the year, very justifiably, but it's also possible to be out coached in a series. And it's also possible to be out coached in two games and then bounce back. And you know, you you boot, holes with the other guy and then you you look great for the rest of the series so i'm not discounting what nick nurse might do in terms of playing cards either um but yeah any last thoughts on nurse before we get into sort of adjustments and, and looking ahead to game three no i i i guess i'm just sort of like doubling what you're saying here i think in the regular season we kind of looked at the lack of sort of the Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam pick and roll or different things where we're like, we're putting Pascal Siakam in optimal positions. This is where he's great, either as a screener or a ball handler in any sort of um, pick and roll set. And it's like, okay, well, it's a lot of Pascal post-ups and like, okay, let's get in touches, let him learn, let him grow. But this is the playoffs and it's about optimizing your star player as opposed to getting them reps against guys who are built like semi-trucks. Um, <laughs> and and like, I, semi-trucks are just stuck in my head because of semi-ogile, I'm sorry. But um, yeah, so so that's kind of, that's kind of my thing which is like, let's, let's optimize Pascal Siakam, which is it's not something I think that the Raptors have done thus far. Yeah, and a way they might be able to do that is to potentially have him screen more and have him be the natural center. And we'll get to that in just a second and talk about the small lineup that we have yet to see, and maybe it might be time to bust it out. Uh, But first, I want to remind everybody to go check out Locked On Celtics with John Corrales. John, you know, we hate Celtic, the Celtics and Celtics fans by and large, but John Corrales is great. We'll be doing an episode on Wednesday as well as sort of a post-two games recalibration of the series. Uh, But go make sure you're checking out Locked On Celtics as John does a wonderful job over there. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Iman, let's get into the small lineup stuff here before uh, we also maybe pull some positives that we can take going into game three on Thursday. Um, You know, uh, one of the positives, I think, is that they haven't yet played that card, and that card is still in the deck to be played with Pascal at the five, OG at the four. You presume Norm, Fred, and Kyle as the one, two, three. Um, You know, we didn't see it in this game. I thought late in the game, especially when Marcus all fouled out, it might have been time to go to it. And look, I don't want to bash Serge Ibaka too much because, you know, oftentimes he'll have like poor stretches, but overall he has a great game. And, you know, he was 17 and nine in this one, two assists, two blocks. He was three of five from deep. Like his offense has been essential, but he looked pretty gassed. He looked kind of like that magic he had early on had kind of worn off by the time the fourth quarter rolled around. 
And the way Gasol was playing, I mean, both Ibaka and Gasol, I think, have really struggled with, in particular, Kemba Walker, but also Jason Tatum, who kind of is just like a bigger version of Kemba Walker in that he can come around a screen and hit a pull-up. And honestly, I'm getting like very Jonas Valanciunas-ass flashbacks watching the Raptors yeah. defend these high pick-and-rolls with these shooters who can pull up because they are kind of getting stuck in no-man's land. They're not really doing a drop-back scheme, but they're not really getting up high enough. And the small lineup with Pascal at the five and all that range and length and athleticism might be kind of a solution for that. What say you, Amon, to the, 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 the five-man unit with Pascal at the five, maybe getting some more run, maybe closing, uh, if not starting, against the Celtics in game three? Yeah, well, this is not working. Um, so yeah, it's incredibly switchy. I, I, and that's what the Celtics are. Tice just pulled like Gasol looked like there were a couple of clips that were going on Twitter yesterday or the day before yesterday where Gasol just completely looked lost. Kemba and Tatum are absolutely killing them. Um, and and the Celtics just run so many pick and rolls that what you have is your big completely lost, like you were saying with JV, um, years back. And I think, um, I read, I was reading, um, Blake Murphy who mentioned putting. Um, Gasol on smart, which right now, because of smart shooting, maybe we need to like not do double smart every <laughs> possession. Don't, he's not the guy, he's not the guy where you ignore your big on. But, but the idea behind putting um, your big on smart was that what we saw sort of with the Raptors there putting OG on Bam Adebayo in the Miami Heat game, mm-hmm. where you're kind of getting the same sort of effect that you're mentioning here, where when the Rap- when the Celtics do run that sort of pick and roll, you don't have a big that's completely lost in, in Tatum and Kemba just getting whatever they want and getting to their spots with ease. Um, and I think that smart shooting the way he does is probably kind of tossing that aside just for a little bit. I would love to see this Yakima at the five lineup. I enjoy small lineups just in terms of like aesthetically. Mm. I find it very pleasing. But for right now, what we're seeing is the Celtics team is too switchy. Um, The Raptors bigs are a step too slow um, and get lost way too often. That it's probably something worth trying in this series. It makes the most sense out of anything else that the Raptors are doing. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I also think there might be some room here to potentially roll out Rondé at the five, too. I know Rondé is an agent of chaos and is stressful, and none of us need any of that in our lives right now. But they did kind of use him down the stretch of the season, you know, dating back, I think it was first in place in that Minnesota game where they didn't have any centers available, so they just started Rondé at center. And, you know, you kind of put the ball in his hands a little bit, get him going downhill around a screen, and then he's like a good enough playmaker. The Raptors are good enough cutters, and they have enough shooting that you can kind of make that work a little bit obviously you're not going to use that against like the Celtics starters just because Rondé is such a liability on the offensive end overall but you know just getting that just sort of different look in that more sort of spaced out style and just having dudes who can track out and can deal with those pull-up shooters and again if you want to switch great I mean if it kind of runs counter to a lot of what the Raptors do because they rarely do switch. They, you know, pride themselves yeah. on rotating and scrambling and helping and all that, all that stuff. They're not really a switch team, but you have to get out of your comfort zone in playoff series. And they've done it in the past where they went big last year and it worked well against the Sixers. I wonder if maybe the adjustment akin to that is to scale down, go small, maybe work in some Boucher at the five a little bit, just because he's a little bit more, more rangy, although he's very, very volatile and you never know what you're going to totally get. You can have a stretch in you know the game like tonight where you didn't even score in this game, but he looked pretty active for his first yeah. stretch and then kind of, you know, wasn't really there for his second shift on, on the floor. Um, I, I just think, you know, Obviously, Ibaka and Gasol are tremendously important, and I'm not surprised Nurse stuck with Gasol because 
you know, you've seen it in the past. You saw it last year against the Bucks. Casala cooked after two games against Milwaukee. There was all of the, oh, is Ibaka going to start at center and change the series up in game three? They stick with Casale. He's his two best games to date as a Raptor, and they end up winning that series. And, you know, Gasol continues and, and plays well into the finals, and he's very important, obviously, and will be important if they get through this series to play either Miami or uh, Milwaukee. But... In this matchup, he kind of just seems a little bit out of his depth, a little bit too slow looking, a little bit too old and ragged to hang with what is a very spry and, and quick Celtics team. So uh, would not mind seeing them go small at all. And again, that kind of opens up more of that opportunity to have Siakam as your pick and roll guy. And you can have OG kind of take on, I think, the Siakam role a little bit from last year in the playoffs where he can be that opportunistic guy. He can sort of stand in the corner, wait for those short roll passes from Pascal. Um, cut baseline and find those passes from Pascal as well. Like, like that kind of, I think, sets up a lot that can work for the Raptors and, and Norm out there too as well. I, you know, I think Norm didn't do a ton in this game, just two points. He was one of uh, one of five, I believe. But I think his or he's four points, one of five. But you know, I, I think Norm has a role to play in this series as well as someone who can just create something in the half court. And if you know, removing yeah. the bigs from the equation for fifteen minutes of the game gets more Norm in there and more space and speed and, and stretchiness, then I wonder if maybe that's the way to go. Oh, Anything yeah, else sure. on that? Um, no, I, I completely agree with that. More Norm um, is not going to be something that you're going to hear too many disagreements from me about. Norm is my <laughs> breaking cl- glass in case of emergency player, and I think the Raptors uh, might need to might need to break glass right now. But yeah, I completely agree just having more space there. And I'll say, you know, I mentioned switching. It's just you don't necessarily need to. The Raptors have the ability to if they have mm-hmm. OG and Siakam there, but also OG and Siakam can can have their man. That's not an issue, but Gasol and Ibaka are a step slow and just... Yeah, it's unfortunate that Gasol lost so much weight and um, can't move anymore. <laughs> yeah, I tweeted this out before, and apparently uh, Blake Murphy was quick to jump in my DMs and let him know that I stole the basis of his tweet. Um, but Marcus Gasol losing weight and looking worse is the reason why I will refuse to get in shape for the rest of time. Um, <laughs> yeah, any... Uh, Let's finish this off on a positive note. Any uh, things you'd like to take from this game that are giving you hope, belief going into game three? Uh, and why uh, is it OG Ananobi? Oh, he was brilliant today. I can't believe it's been so long since we like talked about him. We've been talking for, <laughs> for a while now. We haven't even mentioned OG. He was so good in this game. For Besides the fact that he was the only one who can actually hit any sort of corner threes. Um, <laughs> Someone mentioned that he's kind of, and you just said it as well, sort of taking that Siakam role of last year, but it kind of feels like he's, he's, he's kind of been that guy. And it's really, it's, it's, it's fun watching OG's growth. So you know what, Raptor fans, if you're kind of upset right now, just watch OG Ananobi and trust in this future. Um, I think um, outside of just like how good OG Ananobi has been for the team, I think if you're going to take away a positive is... It's very rare that teams go down 0-2 in a series and come back to win it, but Serge Ibaka has done it twice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you're going to take sort of any solace in being down 0-2, that's the thing that I would point to right now is like <laughs> Serge Ibaka has done it twice. It's rare. It's generally rare because the better team has home court advantage and they're going to be the team that wins the first two games. So that's why it's rare. So so I think things are sort of, there's there's hope and there's optimism to be had Raptor Nation. Yeah, I, I am feeling, you know, not great, obviously. Being down 0-2 sucks, and this Boston team is undeniably a not very good matchup for the Raptors because of yeah. all the things they do well. Their transition defense is ridiculous. They force the Raptors to, you know, work in the half court, which they're not necessarily very good at. 
Uh, although we've talked yeah. about some ways they can maybe grease that a little bit. Um, you know, I, I also just think like, you know, they're not like the Celtics are blowing the doors off on offense either. I mean, they shot well today for a stretch. They had that out-of-body experience from Marcus Smart. But for the most part, I think the Raptors are giving Boston some trouble. You know, Jason Tatum is going to get what he wants because he's ridiculous and it sucks how good he is <laughs> and like how easy it is for him to just kind of slither his way to the basket and, and around the very good defenders the Raptors are throwing at him. But like, I don't feel like Daniel Tice is like necessarily someone to be worried about right now. Jalen Brown, I don't feel like his, you know, he doesn't feel like he's got like a huge offensive role in this series. He's spending so much energy guarding Siakam possession to possession. And, you know, Kemba Walker, as good as he was for like two minutes in this game, was kind of trashed the entire night. And yeah. they, they, they've given him trouble too, even with their not very good, uh, defense from their big. So I, I think, you know, skewing small a little bit more, running a little bit more in terms of pick and roll for Pascal and not just asking him to ISO against dudes he shouldn't be ISOing against. Obviously, uh, not shooting 11 of 40 or 10 of 40 uh, as they've done so far in the two games in the series Oof. from three will also help. Tonight, 11 40? 11 of 40, yeah. It's uh, an improvement on game one. It is. It is an improvement. <laughs> it is an improvement. That is. <laughs> Oh my yeah. God, that's brutal. it's rough. It's real rough, and, and so and, and here's like, the thing: if you yeah. lose by three points after shooting eleven of forty from deep, uh, and you're losing by a single possession, and Marcus Smart hit five threes in a fourth quarter, there is reason to be optimistic. The Raptors outplayed, like you said, the Celtics for the majority of this game, um, and just some some outlier shooting um, changed change the outcome. But I guess part of like a playoff just to like argue against myself like apparently is that you kind of just need an outlier you don't necessarily need any sort of sustained success because it's such a short sample anyway so who knows maybe Marcus Smart just remains Ray Allen for a couple more games yes I wait with bated breath for Locked On Nuggets co-host Matt Moore to uh get get on about how Marcus Smart (laughs) is also an outlier uh anyway uh (laughs) inter-network shots fired we could wrap up the podcast there Amon it was lovely having you on uh I feel like we've probably talked people off the ledge a little bit. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. I hope so. You know, Raptors fans. Myself off the ledge. At first, I was just like, "Oh my gosh, it's been brutal watching Pascal Siakam." Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I guess you know there there's growth, and um, yeah, he's just he's not Kawhi Leonard, and we can't expect him to be. Also, one last note on Pascal. They are not as close as they are in crunch time in this game if he is not uh, stealing the ball from Jason yes. Tatum like a baby. Uh, yes. Like he, he's his, as is always the case with Pascal, what will always separate him from other uh, stars, you know, perhaps Back that we've had. Yes, maybe him. <laughs> uh, we could even throw like a Dame Lillard or CJ McCollum sure. if we want to throw shots to the Western Conference. Um, like Pascal's never going to not give you stuff on defense. He's amazing on that end and has been essential. Uh, in the effort to stop Jason Tatum, as impossible as that seems. And so, um, yeah, it's not great, obviously, so far. And things seem dire. And, hey, they might lose this series. And if that happens, that will suck. But also, um, if they lose the series, it's a weird COVID season anyway, and it doesn't count. So uh, exactly. we'll, we will leave it yeah. there. Amon, where can people check out your work? Um, dishes and Dimes. Um uh, Dishes and Dimes, Raptors group chat on Yahoo. Yes. Uh, Hoops Talk Live, Dishes and Dimes, Wednesdays at 1230. So check all of that out. 
Dishes I'm, and Dimes is everywhere right now. I'm so, so happy that Dishes and Dimes is everywhere. If anything should be everywhere, it is Dishes and Dimes. And uh, you all do a wonderful job over there. So uh, thank you for punching down to, to this here podcast. And, uh, <laughs> and joining me is very much appreciated. And uh, that's going to do it for today's show. Again, as I mentioned, I'll be back again on Wednesday with John Corrales from Locked On Celtics. We'll do a bit of a uh, after two games recalibration of the series. Look ahead to game three a little bit more in depth. Uh, and I'll be back again with a recap podcast on Thursday night as well after game three. Hopefully uh, not staring down a sweep uh, into dead, dead in the eyes. That would be bad. Either way, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks again to Vivek and Katie for the wonderful work they did in my stead over the last few weeks as I was uh, gallivanting about the East Coast. Uh, not really gallivanting, just kind of isolating in a cottage that also had a view of the ocean, which is better than stupid Ontario. Anyway, uh, I'll be back again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.